0: Your characters step into a dark, well-lit room. Around the room, there are various pieces of different types of equipment. And in the middle of the room is a crate, beside which is a square wooden container, and next to that is a box made out of pine. You can taste the salty smell of fresh water in the air as soon as you enter the room. To my right, there are three warriors, and to your left is a robed spellcaster who, based on the tunic he wears, may or may not be a wizard. Right? Hang on, the warriors, okay, the warriors that are there, they're all armed with these scary weapons, okay? And you find them intimidating and also comforting. Probably crafted in a town that's not unlike your, where your characters are from.
1: Well, wait, are Hang on,
0: they're clearly made in a foreign land. Now, one of the warriors is of average height... And the other two are kind of normal in stature.
1: Isn't that the same thing? Hang on,
0: wait. Let me finish describing it, and then you can ask questions. They look angry, but also they're kind of happy to see you. And in, in the distance, you can hear the quiet, subtle sounds of something being struck over and over again by a hammer. Or maybe... It's the droning din of hundreds of people screaming in pain or excitement. But
1: that doesn't sound... Hang
0: on, let me finish. The warrior on the end steps forward. He raises his weapon and she asks, You there! Stop! Okay, now what do your characters do? Uh, Am I here? Did I see this? Uh, You... Oh,
1: can we investigate? Hang on, on, no, no, wait.
2: You guys don't have time. Alright, roll for initiative. Crap, can I borrow some dice?
0: To On a Roll, the podcast that helps you
2: level up your RPG. Tabletop, Lart Mush, and everything in between.
1: We're not better gamers than you, we just all have different experiences to share. And maybe we can help you have a bit more fun at your
0: role-playing game. Because the only way to win at a role-playing game is, is to, to, to have, have fun. Fun. fun and Doritos. Ah, ew, yes, mm. that's a good one. Yeah. Nice. And Doritos. I
1: mean Mountain Dew. Yeah, right. well, cool. yeah. I mean, even if we don't actually like it, can we yeah. should I have only drink
2: Dew. Pepsi while at game? period. Oh, ever. There you go. Really? Do you ju- just no soda outside of game? No. I, I drink th- other sodas, but, but Pepsi is... You know. know what really makes a LARP is cheer wine. I bought some as a joke, and remember it took like a year for everybody to drink
0: all of them? Right. And what makes a tabletop game is Zima. Oh. I'm Ryan. I'm the curmudgeon, and joining me is Carrie the legend. Hi. And of course, Jason, the
2: favorite. Also the one with a witty saying here. <laughs> <laughs> sure.
0: you can find us on stitcher and itunes and anywhere else you get all your podcasts and of course you can always visit us at honor i was oh. going to let jason do the facebook thing because he always messes it up yes. and i wanted to see if you get it right facebook.com slash groups slash honor roll podcasts we're also on twitter at honor roll podcast and, of course, uh, you can always send us an email at hosts at podcast. We love getting emails. That's, That's right. Host with an S. Hosts. Plural. Yes. And uh, we did get an email, right? We did get an email. Let's let's talk about it, I guess. Oh, I wasn't, gonna th- I wasn't gonna I wasn't going to talk about it. That's but a gonna, good place to. Uh, you. Can I mean, I was going quick- to talk about it. I just wasn't going to talk about it here. I was going to actually talk about it. Were you going to
1: talk it. about it in a different room? I was
0: going to talk about it in a new segment that I like to call, We Got an Email? <laughs> <laughs> we Got an Email? <laughs> <laughs> so, actually, let's go ahead and we'll do the theme song to that Woo-hoo. I forget that you're a tambourine man. It wasn't done yet.
2: <laughs> <laughs> there, now. Now it's done. I uh, forget that you're a tambourine man every time. So until you uh-huh. you Hey, it. hey, hey, hey. Hey, Mr. Tambourine Man. <laughs> man. No, yeah. I, Wait, are you really Mr. Tambourine Man? Look,
0: what? they don't say that I have the hands of Davy Jones for nothing. <sighs> I thought that was a really thing. It's what attracted
1: me. <laughs> yeah. I was like, look at those hands. They're <laughs> tiny. No, we did.
0: We got a, it was really awesome. We Can got, you give us a summary of it? Well, we got an email from a person who is in Germany, and they go by the name Bodo.
1: Oh, that's a great name. Bodo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. Yeah.
0: Uh, now, here's the thing is, Bodo is a 40-something university teacher, archaeologist, and tabletop RBG enthusiast from Germany. So can cool. you give us the uh, the quick... Because I remember you read it the other day. I it's pretty say, long. Here's the thing. My favorite part about this email
2: is that he is an archaeologist. So you think that he must play some sort of Indiana Jones-based
0: role-playing I, guy. I just want to
1: like know a, what archaeologist tabletop. That's right? awesome. Tell us, Bono. Well, you know,
0: a couple weeks ago when we were at Free RPG Day, if you remember, when we asked Chad, the manager at Dicehead Games and Comics mm-hmm. here in Cleveland, Tennessee, we asked him, what is the most surprising... Thing about people who buy games, and he said you would be surprised at the number of highly educated things like doctors who come in once a year and pick up like all of their copies of all of the books, right? And so I, I I think it's really cool that a university professor, basically in a in an archaeologist, like that's so cool that they role play game, and I would love to know, like, does he play? Do you guys remember Adventure?
2: Yeah, yeah. Adventure! I used to love it.
0: Yeah. It's so one like, of
2: those great systems that's balanced for fun, not for, uh, like, powers. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean,
0: Adventure. Wasn't Adventure White Wolf?
2: Yes, absolutely. Yeah. It's one of their favorite games of mine that they've made because it kind of breaks away from the whole... Uh, you know, unending tragedy and personal horror. Right. Which is fun, but it's more like, let's do some pulp action. woohoo!
0: Yeah. 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 Anyway, but Bodo basically wrote us and he said that he likes our podcast quite a bit and that he listens to it while he commutes to work and and I think that's really cool and we're glad that you're listening and uh, we hope that you keep listening and that we continue to to make you like us. Uh, He did say, however, that we talk about uh, vampire and werewolf a lot, so for the rest of the episode, we're not going to talk about it. This one's for you, Bodo. (laughs)
1: I don't know if we can do it. We'll try. <laughs>
0: we're gonna try.
1: Yeah, sh- making promises for all of all us.
0: Right. But we're gonna. All right. And the last. The last thing uh, I want to quickly talk about is you can also find us at patreoncom slash podcast. And so let's go ahead and quick get a report from our pa- about our Patreon backers.
1: Woohoo! So we're at, we're at six patrons right Yay. now, so uh, yeah. everyone should go do that so yeah. we can have more numbers in that. Yeah. We have three patrons that are at our wizard level.
0: What does that give us again? It, it gives them a, a shout-out. It gives
1: them the shout-out. Oh, that's so right. It's the weekly shout-out. So let's shout people out. Yeah. Okay.
0: Well, the first up is Cameron Pruitt. Uh, you guys may remember him from last week because we talked about his character. It was super funny. Oh, so uh, sure fun. was. Yeah. yeah, you might say we roasted his character. <laughs> we roasted his character. We did burn that character sheet of his afterwards.
2: Yeah, it's not for that character though. It's for another one. It's true. It's it's fired like all, all of his. Who else? Uh, of course, we have Lost
0: Colonies, their fantasy uh, colonial LARP is set in the DC area. Yeah, that's run by Joe Hines. We really appreciate you uh, backing us. You're you're awesome.
1: Um, and then we have Ryan Martin, who is an ST out in Kentucky for a game that I can't mention. let's just make that promise? Let's just comment. say
0: it rhymes with Lampfire, the task mm. parade. <laughs> there we go, yes. Um,
1: and Ryan's awesome.
0: So if you want a shout-out, we'd love to give you one, but you have to pay us to do it. <laughs> uh, you, you can get a shout-out by helping us keep this show on the air by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash a roll podcast. Alright, so when last we left our intrepid adventurers, we were sitting around this table doing a podcast With our special guest Josh Heath last week. But since then, tell me, Jason, what have you been up to? Uh,
2: Well, you know, honestly, most of the last week has been consumed with me getting things ready for a vacation. Like the first real vacation I've taken in forever. We're going to visit New York City and hopefully see a bunch of friends in that area that I don't get to see because they're all the way up there. I'm all the way down here in Tennessee. Are you driving or flying? I'm definitely going to drive. Flying is crazy expensive.
0: (laughs) Agreed. Yeah. All right. And also, I can see everything up the East Coast as we go. Oh, there you go. Yeah. You you need to stop in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. (sighs) It's the best stop you'll make. Is that on the way? It's not off the way. That... For real. It's not off the way. We'll we'll see. We'll see. All right. We wanted to make at least one cool stop. Yeah. What have you been up to, Carrie?
1: um, There is no life-only coloring book. I
2: thought you were (laughs) going to say mush.
1: Uh, No, no. (laughs) I haven't even done much mushing. Like, I have been focusing on getting the pencils and the inks I'm so excited about that for project. The, for the coloring books.
2: So. Yeah, that's cool. I'm going to yeah. promise you that I'm going to back it. I may not, but ah, I'm going to go ahead and promise you because we're okay, friends. Because well, I'm good
0: enough friends with you to lie about it.
1: But thanks. Yeah. <laughs> what about yeah. you, Ryan?
0: Well, uh, you know, I've just been working on getting the gun belt ready for for hopefully releasing a small like quick test packet that folks can, can that, you know, in the public can participate in. We need to play Ooh, soon. It. I've got my outline ready for a game. Yeah, we're, you know what, I think that we're there. I have to finish putting in writing the last bits of, of how we revised Baggage, which was like sort of the merits and flaws kind of system. I really like that um,
2: idea too, the Baggage yeah. system.
0: Yeah, well, we're we're keeping it, but we're changing it because it never quite works. So, but we've, we've got an idea and we think it works well, and so okay. we're excited about it. So, awesome. All right. Well, then, I suppose it's time. Let's go to Combat Rounds. Welcome to Combat Rounds. Today's topic is building great scenes, because sometimes scenes suck. i <laughs>
2: <What? laughs> I just, you know... Just I suck. like how our best episodes are the ones about the terrible mistakes we've made.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We suck. Well... So
0: in the the show open, we were kind of messing around, obviously, and just doing the worst possible scene set that anyone could possibly do worst of. Yep. I
1: <laughs> Along with that
0: Opera, description, right? Analysis. You know, but I think I think it's important to recognize that sometimes we can sound like we know what we're talking about, but it makes no sense. Absolutely. And and as storytellers, you know, one of the most valuable th- skills that we can have is. The ability to do a clear, concise scene set. It can tell our players where the bad guys are in the room. It can give them hints as to where they should search, what they should be looking for. It can set the tone, it sets the mood, it sets the emotion. It's very they're very, very important.
2: And I think that's true regardless of whether we're talking about a boffer LARP where you don't necessarily describe everything, but instead you're setting up physical objects to represent what's going on around you, or a tabletop game where you may be drawing on a map to show exactly what everything looks like because you still have to convey to the players what's going on and, and, what's and it's even
1: more difficult in a mush
2: because you don't have any because there's of, no
1: visual yeah. like map it's, to kind of point who's where the, the worst right? part
0: about a scene set in a mush is that it's in writing And so it can be used against you by your (laughs) players. (laughs) Well, you didn't say there was a punch bowl in this scene. Uh, 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 Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so let's talk a little bit about how you build a a better scene. And I think that the first place to start with is not with the scene itself, but actually with figuring out the logistics and importance of the scene. Why? Why? What's the purpose of the scene?
2: I think just like in a great movie, every scene that you have should be m- moving forward the story, either the individual story of the players or the the game as a whole. I'm trying to trying to say like bad movies are indulgent and they take too long to deliver what they're trying
0: to say. Like you just did. Like I did. Yes. <laughs> for example, they ramble. Right. I think it also, it's not just about the history and the story, too. It can also be about setting the mood.
2: Yes, mood's important.
1: Yeah, and that can... I, I think what you were trying to say is a filler scene.
2: Right. I, you know, it's like when you watch a movie and you realize that this scene served no purpose and it didn't add to the mood or anything. It was just right. a couple of characters but interacting some, for no reason. But
1: sometimes... Having a scene that just sets the mood is important for a game. Yes.
0: But that's the purpose. Yeah, yes. the it mood has a is the purpose. Yes. So I think that that the first step is really ta- figuring out why is the scene occurring, and that'll answer a lot of your follow up questions that you need to know. For example, why is this scene occurring? Is it occurring because the player characters need to find out this piece of information to solve, you know, to be able to solve the plot? Well, that tells you when I run this scene. I have to convey this information. And then that helps you construct the scene. How will I convey this information? What NPCs does that mean our players need to encounter? Who do the PCs need to see or hear or talk to? And it could even determine, you know, all the way up to something serious like, is there combat here or not? And if there is combat... What does that combat require? Does it need you to have a bunch of sheets made or or it could be something in game? This combat needs to have uh water because my bad guy controls
1: water or water. one of the good guys controls water oh, that needs a good to one. be a stream nearby so that the way they can participate in the combat It's
2: like if one of your characters has security and they're always checking for cameras. Maybe you should think about it. Yeah, yeah. there Give should them be a cameras camera. here. Every yeah, that's
1: while, there should be a camera. Yeah, there should yeah.
2: be a camera here or something for them to interact with.
0: Right. So, what is the purpose of the scene? Not only will will help to make sure that the scene doesn't feel frivolous or extraneous to your players, but it can also help you design what goes into it. And the better you get at designing
2: it beforehand, you'll be able to make it up on the fly as needed when the players ask for information.
1: I think that having as much as you can planned out is, is the way to go because you don't have to then concentrate on how many NPCs are there. Cause you've got it written down in your notes or whatever. And then you can give more thought to the, to the stuff that you're doing on the fly, you know, like, Oh, his name is Bob mm-hmm. and Bob is looking for his daughter. And suddenly then there's a little bit of a story there to intrigue them and, uh, and hook them.
2: I think it kind of goes back to when we talk about our villains episode, Uh, when you have the motivation for your villain and you know sort of the things that they're going to do. And regardless... Their purpose. Yes, their purpose. And once you know what their purpose is, uh, even if this isn't A scene with a villain in it, you can come back and say, Hey, this is the sort of things that's gonna happen because this is the motivation of
0: the non player characters and the player characters that are here. I think that what you just said is really important. I think is the purpose of the scene is more than just what you need from it. It's also what your players need from it. Right. Yeah. You know, and that doesn't necessarily even mean plot wise, because your character you know, one of the characters playing in, in your game may have a history or a backstory or something. You know, maybe the purpose of the scene is to just let their history come into the game.
2: I'm all for that. Anytime you can tie in what the characters have in their backstory, especially if you bring it into a way that highlights them in a scene and lets other people interact with it. I mean, role-playing is all about interaction.
1: Yeah, just, just letting your players know that you remember their history. <laughs> even like It's important. It yeah. is, because it means that you care. Yeah. And players want to know that the staff that is running whatever game it is, cares that they are participating they want to
2: feel
0: like co-creators
1: yeah well there's they want to know that they're special mm-hmm. that they are important
0: and so. and your players knowing that you're you as the storyteller took the time to read their history mm-hmm. and incorporate it into your game that is going to make them trust you more and as i talk about a lot trust enables risk when you're in a role absolutely like, you know and it, it actually builds the community around your game as well because people are learning more about the characters that are around them Mm -hmm. and learning that it's okay to let the storyteller know your character's history because it'll come into play and it'll be fun. And those things are are really important for for building out-of-character friendships around the table.
2: Yeah, that's true. But you know what? If I come to something and I feel like that the people that are running it are interested in what I'm doing and what my character has done and my character's history, that tells me that they're interested in me. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, that's, that's a big part of it. I want to feel like that I'm involved in something.
1: Yeah, it's part of building a good community.
2: Which is really what we're always doing. You're
0: never building yeah. a game, you're building a community. Mm-hmm. So let's get into the nuts and bolts of the actual scene then. Uh, I think it's important to realize that every scene, even even a bad scene, actually has a beginning, a middle, and an end. Yes. So let's talk for for a minute. We'll get into each of these a little deeper in just a minute, but... Uh, uh, the beginning of a scene is, is kind of your opening sequence part of the scene. Uh, and it, it kind of loosely serves as a point to, to capture your player's attention. It's that moment where you say, okay, this is what you see.
1: It's your scene set.
0: Right. Or
2: like in a, some LARPs, they walk into the situation and they see what's in the room. How
0: you've set it up is telling a story. Right. It can, it's, it's also about atmosphere and, and about mood. Mm-hmm. The beginning is also your your hook. It's the thing that should make your players want more of this scene.
2: I think that's probably the hardest part of this whole thing is setting that initial hook in a way that really draws them in.
0: I think one of the things uh, for me as a storyteller that I struggle with is I'll do a great scene setup and I get too afraid because I know that my middle of this scene and my end of this scene are going to be so great that I'm scared to get to the middle too early.
2: Oh, you know what? I having you having said that I've noticed that you tend to draw stories out just a little long sometimes. Just, and it but and it doesn't happen at the back end, it happens at the front end. Right, because you're you're trying to make that setup
0: so good that when you get to it, it you get a real payoff. Right. And, what, we've, and what, I, what I have to always remind myself is that all I've got to do is get them in. You know, we talk about, think of a scene like a short story, you know, and, and when you talk to like English professors and things and they talk about short stories, the short story format is not the same as writing a novel. It's no. very different. And one of the things they tell you is that a short story should begin halfway through the point of whatever's happening. Like really good short stories, pick up in the middle.
2: You know that's a problem that yeah. I have sometimes. Is I want to uh, let the the beginning linger too long as well. But it's it's not because I'm I'm anxious to get to the middle. I'm trying to build to it. It's because I want to allow people to have as much choices as possible. But sometimes by creating this huge room, this huge sandbox, you're you're actually doing a disservice to them because you give them too many
0: choices. You're better off to have a. A few very distinctive ones. Right. For me, it's, it's more about just being afraid of... It's almost that shooting my wad too early thing. Like, <laughs> I know how great... Can't go the, a whole podcast without you talking about that. I'm just saying. <laughs> but, you know, like, for me, the, end, the the middle and end, like, I want to be rewarding and I feel like for it to be rewarding, sometimes I linger on the setup too long because I'm, I'm trying to just make sure that I've got them so that when I go, bam, I've got them.
1: Okay. Yeah. It's, uh, it's really hard to do in mush. I found anyway, is because you have to give everyone their own intro. Susie walks into the room, her hair flowing from being outside, blah, blah. Like everybody wants to have that dramatic entrance. And if you've got five people in the scene.
2: Yeah. Two minutes apiece. Suddenly you've 10 minutes and then 15. Yeah, and you're,
1: you're lucky. A lot of times it's like 10 minutes between poses. You know? <laughs> and, and so it's like, it, it's like, it feels like the scene set up takes hours right and then it's suddenly you're like and then you're attacked by raptors Yeah. because you have to get it going because you've only got four hours to run the scene and yeah you've already and
0: spent f- 20 30 minutes on an intro at right. least yeah right when we get when we dive into into the beginning section here a little bit deeper in a minute like momentum is something I, d- I want to talk about yeah yeah so uh, the second piece to second piece of your structure of a scene is the middle all right the middle welcome the bulk of your scene exists here. So we've done with the introductions. Everybody should have some idea of what the room looks like. Right. And the middle is when the information is given. It's when the mystery is presented and explained. Uh, even if so, it's not answered, it's explained. So like the plot. Right. And it's the point where it, it, where it's the pivot. It's the turning point of the scene where it goes from you've arrived, you learn the thing. And in a second, you're going to face the consequences of having learned that thing. Or, or whatever or the structure the of the scene. Or, or done we, the yeah. scene, right. If the first part is meant to to grab the player and make them want more, this is the part that makes them hesitate and go, how is this going to turn out?
2: So you consider this the decision moment. It really is. Yeah. It, it is. And that could be drawn out over uh, uh, any length of time because it's according to how the scene's laid out. They've encountered the other NPCs or they've encountered the other set of PCs that are
0: there. Right. And I firmly believe, actually, that the middle should be the longest piece of your scene. Oh yeah, well in a that short story. It is the yeah, bulk and of that's the short story. That's the struggle for me with scenes is is my my beginnings are too long. So I, when you get to the middle, you've you already used you a lot rush of your time it a little up. bit. Right. So but the the middle should be the bulk of your scene. That's the meat. It's where the bad guys and the good guys c- converse. It's where the gift of monologue is used. Yes. <laughs> you know? Okay, and then the last the last piece of your scene is the end. Right. The end is what closes the scene with a resolution or a solution. It doesn't mean the plot is solved, it just means this piece is Completed, this encounter is completed. I think that's really important to talk about too because all too often
2: when you end a scene, like you want it to be enough open ended that it ties into the next thing. Right. Because it's a chain. It's not. It exactly. Might.
1: It, it's a yes, and. It's, yes, you have
2: right. to continue it.
0: But so, at the same time, you have to have a resolution. It needs to feel like they accomplished something. Exactly. So if the beginning is where you grab their attention and make them want more, the middle is where you give them what they, they've come for and make them question how it's going to turn out, the end is where they're taught the lesson, uh, and they should feel satisfied, even, even if, if things didn't go their way. Right. You should feel like you were in a scene.
2: You had a moment.
0: And so what I want to really, really express, if you've, you've probably picked this up as you're listening, is that every great scene is actually its own miniature story.
2: You know, that makes me really think when you said about short stories, is that we think of a, a LARP or a RPG campaign as, as like a, a book or a movie, but it's not really. It's actually a series of short stories that are related. Because yeah. each scene should be its own story. Right.
0: So do you want to get down into all of these a little bit deeper? Let's dig in. All right, let's talk about the beginning. The beginning part is where we set up the scene. I think it's important to, to consider where are you going to begin uh, chronologically in the scene. Now, don't, don't think too literally here because that could also, when I say chronologically, it could also mean sort of in feel, you know? For example, do the heroes need to walk in to the, the evil doctor's laboratory and see the evil doctor pour the two chemicals together. Oh, I see what you're and saying. And the reaction begin to occur in the vase. Or do they need to just see the reaction? Or can they walk in and just see the reaction?
1: Or do they walk in and smell it?
0: The aftermath? There's...
2: Right. Ooh, so, I like that. Smell it from... Is the first encounter when they walk up to the building and smell
0: something? That is that Gen Con? <laughs> uh, uh. So, the, but the, the point is... Think about where you're starting because you don't have to start too far before whatever the uh, core action is going to be.
2: I think it's something you know we talk about in the car over today about why certain people are great directors, Spielberg, is because each thing was layered on top of the next. Right. It's you, the action is immediate, but then. Another thing happens. Each thing is raising the action, bringing it... It's almost like... Drawing you in. In the scene, from a narrative point, he's going, yes, and... Right. Yeah. Yes, (laughs) and... And the more you are able to teach your players, that's what's going to happen. The more they will become... Acceptable. Yes. They'll want... To get to that next and, they'll want to push it there. They'll want to make their own yes ands to
0: drive the scene as well. So really, kind of think about where are you going to start the scene at, because that that initial moment uh, can either be too far in advance. I mean, you know, you could be too far from your core action.
2: I think that's a mistake that a lot of us make. Uh, for example, you're. I playing. know
0: it's a mistake a lot of us make. Yeah, because I do
2: it. Yeah, you're playing. Here, here's the. There's two examples I'm going to give that we've both seen or done. Okay you're playing D&D, you're going into the cave, and the first thing that happens is your dungeon master says, okay, I need to know exactly where everybody is and how everybody's standing and what all you have equipped. You know, there's a perspective that says, who cares? They'll figure it out when they get in there. And if somebody's a little hinky on where they were, it doesn't matter. This is a story. It can be a little flexible
0: there. And that, that exact sort of beginning to a scene can also make your players question things or draw in... Incorrect conclusions. Well, clearly, but,
1: there's combat.
0: Clearly, right. combat's coming,
2: but yeah. that may not be at all. And, you know, maybe as a meta technique, you might do something like that occasionally. But I don't want to. You know, I that's think it's, a whole
0: other thing. That's a
2: whole other thing. The other part is okay. Everybody, this you know, like World of Darkness, Parlor LARP stuff.
0: Okay, everybody's going to this other. You scene You mean like in lamp fire the task parade? <laughs> I don't know that one. i'm Sorry, yeah, we can't. Yeah, well that. <laughs> yeah. I said, we're not talking about that. <laughs> so go ahead, Go on. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry.
2: <laughs> okay. So what I'm saying is you're in a part of the LARP and you say, I'm going to the, the warehouse district, district across town to investigate the cult that's there. And the first thing the guy running the scene tells you is, okay, how's everybody getting there? What cars are you taking? Who's driving? And you know what? Everybody arrives at the scene and it didn't matter. Right. And we've wasted 10, 15, 20 minutes deciding who takes which car. Was it a chase scene? Then who cares? Right. And even if it becomes a chase scene halfway, just decide on the fly. Like, oh, well, I always take my helicopter. Okay, I
0: don't care. You take your helicopter. Now, one of the, one of the things that will be strugglesome for a lot of storytellers, because I know that I struggle with it, is it doesn't matter until it does. But then you just let them decide.
1: See, I, I disagree with you. Yeah. Ooh.
0: Oh, I. Ooh. Fight! We've been one? waiting to fight! Siskel <laughs> and Ebra. Yeah.
1: Oh, flipping the table. Uh. No, I, I think as long as you don't take a half hour or you know, whatever the, that number of time is, that is too much.
2: I think 10 minutes is too much. I think it's too much. We could have been telling a story, but instead we're deciding marching yes, order.
1: But if you've got players that need to have that marching order to understand. Because all players are different and some... Some need to know, if I get attacked, would I get attacked before this... You're like, that's just how their brain works. Because
0: if I'm playing the tank, I need to take it before my healer does.
2: Well, I'm willing... If he says, well, I'm the tank, I would be in front when we get there, okay.
1: I I think that it just depends on your group of players. I've ran for players, though, that would be cheaty about stuff like that.
2: If they're cheaty, then I'm going to coach them about cheating, and then I'm going to throw them out of my game.
1: (laughs) And to me, like, going, I need to know how you guys all get there... Because then I find out, like, you know, a game later that none of them have a car, but they magically got there. Players sometimes don't even think of those things.
0: I think it also matters more in uh, organized situations. And by that, I mean, like, if If you're you're in a gaming org, if you're in a gaming network, Mm -hmm. if you're playing in a uh, like a LARP organization, like One by Night or Underground Theater, like those things Mm -hmm. can, can end up mattering more. That is true, and I think also this is a great point to point out that every table is different. Yeah, right. So Carrie's table maybe is a little bit less cooperative uh, when it comes to agreeing how they're lined up.
1: Or maybe I'm just meaner. Or maybe <laughs> you're just
0: meaner. You know, or because I've seen it, I've actually seen it both ways. I've I've played with people that it doesn't that it really doesn't matter, and when you get there, they just go, "Yeah, we were like this," and you go, "Okay." And then I've also seen it where if you don't ask them how they got there, you'll find out twenty minutes into the scene that they pulled up in six school buses. Well, how did that go unnoticed?
1: Yeah, right? or they've got bazookas with them.
0: What? And so I think it's I think we all have to also rely on our instincts for how we how we not just trust our players, but just how our players play because we trust
1: that we know our players.
0: Right. Yeah. So let's kind of get into how to describe a good scene. I think that we could all agree the very first thing is that uh, as players, we need to shut up and listen.
2: It is. <laughs> I get it, it's hard because the villain appears or this thing you've
0: been trying to get is there right in front of you. I have this question though. Well, just let me finish talking, yes, then we can do the wanna, questions. <laughs> but I activate Magic Missile. Your character's action cannot be faster than my narrative description of the scene. because you're seeing it at the speed of light. Right. (laughs) And so as players, I want to say we need to be patient for a moment and allow the storyteller to describe the scene because the more you interrupt him, the less clear that description is going to be for everyone. As a storyteller or as a dungeon master, I think the first step is describe things Before the action starts. I
2: think that is a really important point because the reason why players want to interrupt is they've been trained poorly by somebody in the past who uses that moment of description to trick them. Right. You
0: walk into the room. You look around. You see see this, 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 and the bad guy raises his gun and fires. Roll for initiative.
1: Yeah. No. No,
0: no, no. no, no. No, no, no. Describe everything except for the bad guy raising his gun and firing. Mention that he's there, perhaps. Describe him. But don't... And then he fires. Right. Describe things before the action starts. And the other reason you don't want to do that is because you're, if your your players, you know, they're, wor- they're worried about that almost surprise action the bad guy's is going to get off on them. Right. And I feel like if your bad guy always gets that initial surprise action off, you're betraying their trust in you because you've taught them if i if you let me finish this description at the end i'm going to trap you at the end we're rolling for damage yeah. and then we're rolling for initiative yes not that's really not good setup yeah no and i think um the other the other piece to that is when when that happens uh you have moved to combat rounds before you've given players the opportunity to ask questions like is there a chandelier in this room? Because I want to swing from it. There are other questions about the setting they may have that you don't want to be answering mid-combat. I think
2: Carrie is particularly good at giving people space when when they come in to I interact. I <laughs> try. <laughs> I have also heard about storytellers in particular and game masters saying, okay, I finished the description. Now all those abilities you have... Use them right this second. (laughs) And then you'll take, you know, you take a couple of minutes out of game, roll all the dice that need to be rolled. We used to call that robo chubbying. Yeah. Just get through everything, like lore chops uh, or detect traps. Do all that now.
1: Your power-ups.
2: Do all that stuff. And then, well, the information powers in particular, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Then we
0: will discuss. Right. Uh, I think also part of, I think description. Is incredibly important as well. Visual clarity is so important. When you describe the scene as a storyteller or a dungeon master, you are more than anything telling players the location of stuff, people, objects, the things in the room, and where they are. And so the language you choose to do that is very important so that you don't spend the entire night having people ask, Where is he again? How close am I to him? Those questions will be be revisited throughout combat because they are. You well, know. it's easy to forget if you, right. you can't see what's ahead of you, it's easy to forget what's there. Exactly. And some scenes are complicated. Right. But at that opening moment, your players need to understand where everything's at. Now, if it's a tabletop game, you may have a map, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I think there's also something to be said for remembering that
2: the greater the complexity of the location of the setup, the harder it's going to be for the players to remember and for you to keep track of. So, always remember that you're adding complication
0: as well as complexity, and that may cause you problems in the future. There are crutches we can use to help us. One of them is having a map in front of us if you're playing a tabletop game. If you're playing a LARP, sometimes that means everyone stops and just has a seat around a table and you draw it out on a piece of paper. We've done that. Sometimes it it might mean if it was a LARP that you've used the extra chairs in the room to show where walls are and things so people can walk through the scene. That's my favorite. That's your favorite. You <laughs> do that a lot. And sometimes at a LARP, it could mean just uh, carrying a notebook around you with, with you in your pocket. You can just whip out quickly and just go. Yeah. Sh- That's what? the drawing sound. That's the oh, drawing that sound. Yeah. And like, Here, like this. And you go, oh, okay. Uh, the, the challenge is in a mush.
1: Um, in a mush, I've seen, I've been in a combat once in an old, one of my very first, uh, mush game, which was, uh... It was a Harry
0: Potter mush. Yes. Oh, was
1: it the one? Wee Wee is what we used to call it, because it's like...
0: That sounds great. Because you did that all the way home. Yes. Yeah.
1: Normal combat, we just would do it in scene sets and try to, you know, Mm -hmm. keep it going that way. But at one point, we were battling a large amount of bad guys mm-hmm. and all of a sudden the person running the scene sent everybody a link where they had i don't know what the program was but they had created a just
0: a little grid map a
1: grid map on some program and it just threw it up and on the wiki and we could all move our people oh, around. oh that's wow cool. that's yeah. super nice it was Such fancy re- it was fancy <laughs> i
2: so, wonder if that was roll 20 or one it, of the programs like that. Something oh. early. I don't, yeah, yeah, I don't, it don't know it, been, been, it was. It's a few years ago. So a few yeah. years ago. Yeah. Yeah. But
1: but like you know that was really helpful.
2: Have they considered doing mushes with graphics? What would that be like? <laughs> it would be a video game. <laughs> yeah. Oh. So uh,
0: so describing the scene becomes very important, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I always like to say that that the in addition to visual clarity, you also need to allow your environment to convey the emotion and tone of the scene and to do that you need to do more than just what you see with your eyes i know that one of the strongest things you can do when you're describing a scene is to tell them all five senses yeah you know what if somebody describes a smelly
2: nasfratu you know more about that person than if you described ugly nasfratu and the best is
0: is it provokes follow up questions like, "Well, wait, wait, what's it smell like?" Yeah, well, oh well, yes. Well, when when well, that answer is garlic and rotten rats, like, "Oh, that tells me something even more about it." Like, yes. is he yeah. eating rats with garlic? What's he doing?
2: The the dwarf that you say smells like you know flowery aftershave. You are like, does
0: this? What's or that mean? Have aftershave? Why? Yeah. Why? He <laughs>
1: doesn't shave. What's going on? Yeah.
0: So when His people, beard. When <laughs> players, Right. So when players walk into the room, we need to, to be letting them know this is what you see with a clarity of, a sp- in particular, with spatial relationships. And then we also need to tell them, you know, is the air so acrid it burns your eyes? That's how it feels physically. The touch, it's burning your yeah. eyes when you see it. Or maybe the air is chilly and cold. Yeah. You know, so the hair stands up on the back of your neck.
2: And think about the best books you read; they almost always have more description than just "there was a blue light."
0: Right? And we forget, like, t- well, how do you taste a room? Well, I'll tell you how you taste a room. A lot of times, smells are so strong you taste. I- I'll it. tell mm-hmm. you
1: what; all you have to do is there, tell someone that there's a copper smell in the room, and
0: they can taste and, it.
1: And they're tasting it. They're like, mm-hmm. I, yeah. I, especially in mushes, when I if like I, if there's been a battle, and I'm like, you know, there's a. Copper smell in the air, like I can't, They all go, Ugh, yeah, uh, and like they all start, like they're, I can, They all start typing, and you can tell, like they're going, nah, nah. Certain, uh, I love like, it.
0: Certain dry, musty dungeons mm-hmm. might make your mouth dry up the saliva in your mouth and make you, yeah, you know, smacking your your lips. So you know, think, what do they hear? Is there dripping? Is there, uh, you know, the banging of, of something <laughs> in the discomony, <dick laughs> or is that people screaming? That's right, in <laughs> excitement.
1: I
2: <laughs> One way to put that is you've only got so much space to convey all this emotion and deliver it, this information. And the more sources that you use to deliver it, the better off you are. I,
1: I will say, though, don't over like don't hit your players with all five senses in five sentences. Like if you just, you know, there's dry and hurts your eyes and there's a loud banging noise. And, you know, and if you just kind of listed off, one, two, three, four, five, it doesn't feel right. It's it has to be, be delivered naturally. It's got to feel like a story. It's oh, more yeah.
0: It's more effective if you know you're going to hit all five senses, right? And so attribute each of the senses to one of the objects in the room. Yeah, and and part of the story. You, right, so then at, you walk into the room, and to your left, you see a very large barbarian whose body odor you immediately smell, Across the room, there is a, uh, there's a fire burning. There's a bit of smoke in the air from it, and that ash kind of agitates your eyes as, as you do that. You know, you're, and to the right, there is uh, a, a stream of water coming down the wall, and the dripping is echoing off, off the walls around you mm-hmm. in this chamber. You know, and so you hit them one, you know, apply them to one object yes. at a time as you go, and walk through the senses as you walk through the room.
1: Mm-hmm. But make sure that it's natural. Like, like if you just, like, list them off, like, a checklist, it's going to feel fake. And it's going to feel like
0: you were listing a checklist.
1: Yeah.
2: I, that's part of the reason why, for scenes, I try to do a little outline, and each, you know, it's not going to be that really nice, collegiate-looking outline, but what it will be is, like, you know, number one, the room is musty and dark and blah, blah, blah. That way I have an idea in my head what it looks like. Mm-hmm. And so when I describe it to them, I don't have to just throw it all out there at once. I can do it as they sort of move around, encounter, and, and say, "Well, now that you've moved into the room, you you notice that it smells musty, and you know there's a light breeze blowing right. towards you."
0: And all of those things convey emotion. You oh know, yeah. If, there, if there's lots of shadows, that's a little creepy. If, you know, you feel as you walk through, you can feel the the cobwebs catching on, on the hairs on your arm. That's a little eerie. You know, like there's different, uh, if, if you hear the sound of people laughing, well, that isn't necessarily scary. It could be scary or not. It's going to where you are. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. So let's talk a little bit about the middle of a scene. All right. The middle is when you really want to hit them with a big sweeping burst of activity or action or information, right? The middle is that moment when momentum begins, right? So if the beginning is they walk into the room and they're able to talk to the villain for just a minute, the middle is when he finally raises that gun. Right. You've given them a moment to see it. You were talking actually a little bit about momentum earlier.
1: You've got (laughs) to keep a scene going. Like you can't... Okay, I'm going to I'm going to go back to mush because that is that's your thing. That's my thing. Momentum in a mush is very hard because you're not there to go. Jason pose. There's lots
0: of. Yeah. Mushes have natural latency built in. Yeah. Latency is this like uh, misdirected Mark uses this term, but I actually really like it. They've created this idea that latency is is the time in which the scene has to stop while you pull your dice out. Enroll them, okay. You know, yeah. While you have to type your entry into the mush, while you have to, uh, you know, draw your weapons and get everybody to step back a few feet in the bopper lark, so nobody <laughs> accidentally takes a foam sword to the eye, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, like that—that's latency. It's the moments when you have to pause the game for a moment to take care of a mechanic, mm-hmm. right?
1: And but the problem in mush is that mechanic is sometimes real life. Somebody
2: may be typing very slowly for a legitimate reason. Or
1: or they could have gotten up to go deal with their kid or oh, they could have gotten true. up to go to the restroom or to go eat.
0: So, am I waiting because they're a slow typer or am I waiting because they fell asleep and will never return? Right. Ooh.
1: One one of my mush friends, uh, Max, used to fall asleep on me all the time. <laughs> and and, you know, and we, you know, like, we'd all be in the scene, suddenly people would be like, is he okay?
0: That guy, is, where, where, he's got the narcissist. Yeah, I was like, ugh. And so this is, um, so momentum is when it's really important as a player to be paying attention.
1: Mm-hmm. It's very important to... Keep it going as quickly as you can. There's a, an unspoken rule of twenty minutes. If someone hasn't posed oh, in I thought twenty minutes,
2: saying, well, twenty
0: minutes between poses, guys. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs>
1: if someone hasn't posed within twenty minutes, you skip them.
0: In in a mush, you poke at about ten or eleven minutes. Right, and at twenty minutes, you move on.
1: Yeah, you move on, keeping the momentum of a mush, especially if you have like five players in the scene.
0: Yeah, you got to keep things moving, don't oh, you? Oh,
1: you have to, or, or you end up going, it's 3 o'clock in the morning, and we're just getting to the <laughs> middle
0: of the scene. The other thing is that the middle is, is because it's when the, the activity really starts to roll, the momentum is important for the emotion.
1: Yes.
2: Because if people get too much time to stand around and just chat a little bit out of game or yeah. not they do they don't anything, care
1: about the monologue the bad guy just Right,
2: they, they've lost the emotion of the scene. Mm-hmm. They've
0: let, you've let it get away from them. Right. We so have how to- do you push that? Well, I think that some of it is remembering that uh, time is pressure. Yes. In, in, especially in character. If you make the scene, uh, you know, we, we think of pressure in a, in a game as like being a threat. Like, you know, the weapon pointed at you. Well, that's, that makes me feel pressure. He's got a gun to my head, right? But time can also be a pressure uh, if you don't act by this time, the building will blow up. The dungeon yeah. will collapse. Yes. The spell will go off. The whatever. And so, I think that one of the ways you can actually encourage uh, out of not so much in mush because you can't do anything about somebody getting up and, and having to go to the bathroom or yeah, deal yeah. with their child, but uh, in tabletop or or a LARP, I think the first is is to remember that if you create some sort of uh, time sensitive thing happening in character it actually encourages them out of character to feel rushed
1: oh yeah the the bad guy is going to blow up this building at 10 p.m
0: i, and if, if, I and if actually i actually think feel you, rushed yeah they, they'll pay more attention and
2: be rushed i think you can do this a little bit out of character too you can say guys we have to wrap at midnight yeah yeah and if we're halfway through the combat then it's just over it right. doesn't matter because we have to wrap Yep. So if you tell them up front, guys, we're only going to have two hours to run this scene, then usually they do their best to stay on target. Right. Right. Or they just remind me
1: if I if they can't. I've had in a lot of mushes, People will be like, look, I know that I'm I'm being slow tonight. Skip me if it's if I don't. Yes,
0: we have to we have to do what we need to do to control, keep the latency under control. Yeah. And as as players, it applies to us, too, because if we want if we want this scene to be exciting and to have momentum, then it means I need to pay attention. And every time it's my turn that's not when I stop to look up what powers I have. You should have already looked it up, if at all possible. It, I should be checking my notes and deciding what I'm going to do while Carrie is doing her action.
1: Absolutely. You yes. know,
0: So we all have to work together to, to keep latency to a minimum, to keep the momentum moving so that the middle of the scene is exciting. And I think as a storyteller
2: or a game master, you need to be willing to say, I don't remember what this rule is exactly. This isn't life or death.
0: This is my immediate rule call. We'll fix it later, right? I also think too. The middle is is the opportunity for everyone to interact with the scenery that you described in the beginning.
1: Yeah,
2: well, it is role playing. So when we describe or set up an area, we should be wanting the people to
0: move in it, right? Yeah, you guys know Seventh C. Right there in seventh C in the original seventh C, and and it may be in the new edition, but th- there was a used to be an article in in the core book that talked about this idea of the chandelier in the room that you didn't describe. But when the player says, "Is there a chandelier in the room? Because I'd like to swing across the room with it," Can you, you know, say, to get the bad "Yes, guy. of course there's a chandelier. Of course,
2: yeah. there's if, a chandelier. if at all possible." Or you say, "Well, there's not a chandelier, but there is a rope dangling from right uh,
1: conveniently right, right there or whatever." Yeah.
0: And so or I think a punch bowl. Or mm. a punch or a punch bowl for you to spike. <laughs> so the the point is, uh, it's also an opportunity to interact with the scenery. And so this is why your description is important. Because wouldn't it be great if he didn't have to ask about the chandelier? Yeah.
1: Because, because the he better you done. Him?
0: Because you knew, I, I know Jason's character is crazy and is going to try and swing from a chandelier. So I'm putting one. a chandelier in the So run. this yeah. room, every dungeon I run is going to have a chandelier. In. <laughs> right? As now i want going to run the chandelier dungeon.
1: As game runners... We should want our players to do stunts. Right. And do crazy yes, fun things. absolutely. Because if
0: our players do crazy fun stunts, they're going to love the game more. And, and they're going to give you room to do crazy fun stunts mm-hmm. with your NPCs. That's right. Yeah. And so so if you describe the table, sit something on it. Mm-hmm. Is this, right? Is this you, the gun? I, it's Chekhov's the, gun. Right? Right. If, the, if you show that there is a gun hanging above the mantle, and you make sure that we've all seen that the gun is there... By the end of this scene, that gun needs to go off or have been used in some fashion of importance. I believe that that's also really cool because as the
2: players come in and maybe they see the big fireplace where the fire is almost out of control. If by the end of the scene, that fireplace is out of control and beginning to burn down the house. It's momentum. First of all, it's momentum, and second of all, they've they've seen it, and everything that's happening is something that they had a chance to To alter. (laughs) They could have been like, that fireplace is going to be out of control, but I've also got to deal with these guys over Mm -hmm. here, and they get to make interesting choices. And there's that whole time is pressured thing. Mm -hmm. Well, I believe that the only thing that matters, the only commodity that you have, other than trust, is time when you're running a game, and
0: you have to spend it wisely. Right, absolutely. All right, well, let's talk about the end then. So this is the last part of of a well-constructed scene. You know, there's only one way to begin a scene. You describe, right? That's yeah. kind of the way all scenes start. You know, the middle will always be this pivot point where, where the action begins and the stuff starts to happen and the information's conveyed. And then the ending, gosh, there's so many different ways to end a scene that it's actually easier to talk about how not to end a scene. Well, I think one of the mistakes that I've made is when... Some
2: players, especially if the scene has been combat-oriented, some players are not there for the combat, but they
0: are there for the resolution. Right. You're healers. Gosh, think about your, you know, a healer mm-hmm. or uh, if you've got a character who's just, like, hiding in the background because they don't want to get shot.
2: What if that guy wants to rob the corpse of the person who's fallen? Right. I mean, it sounds hinky, but, like, that's what some people are there for, is to do things that they can't do in real life. And maybe it's to steal that guy's wallet that everybody
0: else has just got done fighting, and they love it. It's midnight, and it's really easy to be like, it's late. You just rolled the last die. The bad guy dropped. Game over. <sighs> go home. Yeah. See ya, see at Denny's. Yeah. <laughs> right? But, but we have to remember that that's not really a great way to end a scene. No. Would you like an action movie in which
2: the bad guy... Gets shot, falls over, and then and credits, roll. credits roll. It would have to be a pretty amazing movie up to that right? point.
0: That's not what happens. He, the, the, we get to see the hero get the girl and kiss her, or something, right? Some resolution.
2: They at least get to walk over and go, "Oh, well, that's what was going on." You know, don't just don't end the scene with the last blow of combat. So a cold open is almost better. Than a cold close. Oh, it's totally better. Yeah. So really we should be thinking about, uh, all too often we do it backwards. We spend a lot of time opening something, but then at the very end we're like, okay, it's over guys. I'm done. Right. When really you should go ahead and spend that last few minutes. Because but- we're, we're tired. We're exhausted.
1: And if that means you have to better a lot time to give yourself more time at the end, do that.
0: Yes, absolutely, because your beginning is probably too long, or, right yeah or, yeah
1: <laughs> no, <laughs> usually the beginning
0: um, it really is
2: get straight to the, the action, and that's not necessarily combat. it could be w- like if you're there to have a meeting, don't spend twenty minutes describing the anteroom
0: before they step into the meeting room or if it's a if you're having a meeting, and the whole point of the meeting is to find out the location of the bad guy. Don't run the scene. Have them talk to this person and then have the guy go, well, the bad guy is in, you know, Lookout Mountain. Lookout. And then they then go, all right, well, you got it. Let's, let's move on. Where do you guys go next? No, let them exit. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. You
2: know what? Maybe they decide to portray each other and one group goes to Signal Mountain and the other goes
0: to Lookout Mountain. Right, but we'd never know that if we don't give them the opportunity yes. to do that. So I think that's really it. Find a way to exit the scene gracefully. Don't rush it. Don't exit too slow. No, we still have to keep momentum going, even through the end. Right. It's over. You did kill the bad guy. You did get the information you yeah, need. Yeah, just got to wrap it up. But Yeah, but give that wrap-up a moment. It's it's important, especially it's, an, it's very important to characters that are not as combat-oriented. Yes. Well, you know, and...
2: That's another thing to remember. Not every scene has to be combat. It can be other things. It's sh- We should still be trying to give that tension, that stress, for them to feel like it's important and what they're doing is moving things forward. But it doesn't have to be guns blazing every time.
0: Right. And I also think it's important that the last piece of the end is, you know, they should have to clean up the mess. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's something we
2: talk about. To me... That's entirely based on the kind of game you're running. Well, yeah, and that's true. That's true. The, in a game about an alternate world that is much darker than this one. Something like <laughs> Lamp Fire, the task parade. <laughs> I think cleanup is very important because it's all about uh, remembering the humanity of what you've just done, whether it was you know fighting someone or uh, negotiating with a group.
1: But I think consequences in any game is important. If well no, if if in my superhero mush, if my players all go out and they fight a bunch of bad guys and they trash a a restaurant, then They either need to have their characters stay and help clean up the restaurant, (laughs) talk to the police, talk to the owners, help get the people out that are hurt.
0: And the truth is Um, it doesn't necessarily have to be a whole new scene either. No. It's a couple minutes. They could just be a, do you guys help clean this up? Yes. Okay.
1: Okay. Let me me type up the end, the wrap up.
2: It does give them a chance to acknowledge what they're going to do. Are you going to help clean this up? No. Okay. And it (laughs) gives
1: them more role play later on.
0: That's true. And we have to, you know, I think, Jason, you've talked about this before. You also have to be careful of the whole, if you don't clean up the mess, there will always be punishment. Yes. Like, you don't want to uh, instill that fear in your players either.
2: No, I get what you're saying. Consequences should be something that uh, matters in the story make it more interesting. It should not just be, I got you guys. You forgot that one ring finger that (laughs) you cut off that dude. Right. (laughs) Hey, we run a lot of... You know, Lampfire, the lamp unburdening. Lampfire, the task parade. <laughs> uh, that's the sort of thing that happens there. Yeah. Creeps. But to be fair, it happens in lots of games because most games have a lot of combat room, even if you're trying to
0: avoid it. Right, right. Most you of know, the kinds of games that we run. Have you ever noticed that, that in Dungeons & Dragons, right, you spend hours, days, weeks playing Getting into the dungeon all the way to the deepest, darkest, innermost cavern of the dungeon where you fight the dragon, you save the princess, you get the gold, and we never run a scene where you're leaving. That's because it's usually boring, but I guess the idea is maybe you should spend a little time and make it interesting. But
1: how'd you get out of
2: there? I took that. You conveniently you located Skyrim style
0: exit you right, right behind uh, the dragon. Right? You didn't. I,
1: I rode the. Giant flying eagle. Yeah, I wrote the eagle out, dude. <laughs> yeah.
0: Anyway, I'm not. Say- but I'm not saying. You know, that, there's that something actually- to be
1: said
2: for making that last part as interesting as the first part, right? And it, but it should. It does
0: not
1: need to be as long. But <laughs> I, I think it <laughs> depends on your players. Yeah, some players crazy. would eat that up, and other players are like, "No, I want to go fight another dragon." Right. Cleaning the
2: mess. Yeah. Cleaning up the mess can be five minutes. Yeah. I used to play with a guy that his character always had throwing knives. And we spent 15 minutes one night recovering all of his throwing knives. <laughs> because that's the only way he would leave the cave. They were in, and it was it was Dungeons & Dragons. Yeah. Because we kept searching the cave until we found all of them. But
1: that's kind of fun.
0: <laughs> or was it? Or was uh, it was it? a lot of dice rolling and waiting on things to be found. Uh-huh. <laughs> all, right. all right. Well, I think that's, I mean, that that's pretty much the, if that's the end of the scene, that's the end of combat. Well, we do have to clean this mess up. Which, all right. right. <laughs> well, let's go to Game
1: Wrap. Which is cleaning the mess up.
0: Welcome to Game Wrap. <sighs> is we Who... Who's Go ahead. We We can be found at HonorRollPodcast.com You can also find this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and anywhere else that you find podcasts We're also on Twitter at HonorRollPodcast And of course on the Facebooks Facebook.com slash groups slash HonorRollPodcast That's right, and if you want to send us an email, you can do that at hosts at HonorRollPodcast.com That's H-O-S-T-S And if it's good, we'll probably read it That's right, yeah
1: Yeah. Maybe
0: even on air. And if you really like this podcast, we'd really love it if you could go to wherever you find your podcast. You know, go to iTunes, give us a five-star review, tell everybody that you like it. Go visit us on Patreon at patreon.com slash podcast and maybe uh, consider backing us as a patron to help us, you know, improve our equipment and keep this show on the air.
1: And you know what? If you really don't like this podcast... You should come support us on Patreon so we can get better. That's right. Yeah, there if, you go. Yeah. It's
2: really the the crushing poverty that's
0: keeping us. That's exactly it. That's true. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, uh, let's go ahead and give out XP for the night, Jason. Uh, you get uh, thirty XP for attendance. We wow, really, that's really appreciate you twice attending. as much as usual. I know. Well, I'm feeling kind of feeling more generous lately. Keeping. Yeah. Well, you know what. Uh, you were the the responsible for the destruction of the main bad guy tonight, Carrie. Yeah, so so I really feel like you know, 30 XP seems fair, Carrie. Uh, you're gonna get five XP for attendance, and (laughs) then (laughs) crap, you're also going to get uh, 35 XP, and that's just that's sympathy XP.
1: Oh, oh. yeah, wow, Mm. your seeing desk sucks. Yeah, we need
2: to.
0: We need to start giving Ryan XP every so often. I'm not okay with this, (laughs) change. All right. Well, join us next week when our topic is the newest in Onyx Paths publication book, Lampfire, the Task Parade. You heard it here first, people. We're very excited about it. I Uh,
1: can't believe we won it. We did
0: it. Right? We did it. So uh, outside of that, thanks for listening. And remember until next time that the only way to win an RPG is to have fun. Have fun. Have fun. Why do we always repeat that after we say it? I don't know. Have fun. Because we said it wrong the first time.
2: Have fun. When we very first tried to do it. And now you're trying to say it last. Have fun. 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 Just in case you're still recording. Yeah. One day we're going to get that light. Have fun.
0: All the thoughts and opinions that were on this podcast belong to just those folks who were on this podcast and to nobody else all of the music was courtesy of kevin McLeod from incompattech.com <laughs>